episode six of Geek and Spiel's podcast. Uh, happy October to everyone. My name is Jacob. I'm Jeff. I'm Emily. And I'm Sean. And thank you all so much for joining us. We got some great stuff to talk about today. Lots of crazy stories and adventures and times long past uh, injuries and <laughs> other 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 assorted. Are we starting a quest? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we are, we are. Each of us is going to take a role. Um, I will be the wizard because I like being magic, and I'm going to have you be the support person because oh, what a surprise! Yeah, well, that's how it is. You're the healer. Go, 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 heal and buff and stuff. I will Jeff be, smash. Yeah, I'm going to go with Jeff. We'll both be. We're just going to smash everything. Awesome. We got a like a barbarian warrior thing going on here. We're just going to smash the podcast airwaves with our ludicrousness. Yeah. Before we get into any of our topics today, guys, uh, again, this is our weekly reminder that we are doing the Extra Life Game Day, November 4th. Every single person whose voice you're hearing here will be there for it. And if they're not, then we'll be really sad. That's not guilting Jeff or anything, but. And we'll try and stay awake for 24 hours, provided no one gets injured the day before. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody do any strenuous activity beforehand. I'm going to ask some people to move some furniture around, so that could be a problem, but we'll see. Somebody from Augusta got in touch with me recently, and they want to join, so they're joining our team. So we have a new person, and Emily, you said we might have some more people joining us as well? Yes, we have two people that we um, sometimes play games with. They're going to be joining us. So what is our team count out now? What is our team count at now? 11? So I, I think we're at 11. Let me, let me, do, a, let me do a roll call. Myself and Anita, Jeff, mm-hmm. you, Sean, uh, Eric, and then we have Caitlin and Luke, who will be one team, but they're going they're going to go back and forth because they got to take care of a baby. baby. We have uh, Charner, possibly Charner's wife, but I'm going to just say it's him for right now until I know otherwise. And then, are you saying? Are, do you think Tama and Chuck are both going to want to do it? I think so, but most, but for sure, Tama. Yeah, that's a, that's eleven right there. That's that's ten or eleven. You were or we're not going to get in touch with Zach and Amy. Oh, and Amy. Um, okay, twelve. <laughs> I, I'll get in touch with Zach. I'm not sure whether he'll come or not, but I'll try and get in touch with him today and figure it out. No, absolutely. the The door is open. He's more than invited to come. Every, in fact, everyone's invited to come. Everybody, come <laughs> to Augusta. Just get into my house. <laughs> my address is social security number. Also, if you need that for any reason, uh, last four digits. So we're all super excited about this. This is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to raise a lot of money. I think right now we're at 575. People are already getting donations. Uh, I'm going to be sending out my first donation email this week to people I know and bother them. And we'll just start getting this, this train moving. Sounds awesome. All right. So let's uh, get into our first topic. Jeff, we missed you last week. We knew you were out having some fun times with the family and doing some cool things. Uh, we cursed your name and, <laughs> yes. and other sort of things. So if you could uh, let us know what is on your mind, what's going on. Okay. So last week you guys went over a couple of Kickstarters and I just wanted to uh, add on to that, that uh, Game Toppers LLC has recently released their uh, Kickstarter for the uh, Game Toppers Tables. Well, I should say tabletops. Basically, what it is is that it's a two-piece uh, table that you can 
put together and then put right down on your existing table. That way you don't have to spend like thousands of dollars on a uh, Geek Chic or uh, any of those tables. Uh, Too soon. I Too know. Soon. I'm sorry. <laughs> For those of you uh, unaware, Geek Chic recently went out of business. Hmm. Yeah, so I'm going to never have owned one of those, but... Uh, then again, they were super expensive. But how much did they go for? They went for like, uh, I think the base one, which was a really small one, for like fifteen hundred or something like that. Mm. Oh my god! Yeah, and I don't think that was any including shipping either. And some people still hadn't had them delivered Ugh, after yeah. over a year. Oh wow! So that was a whole thing. Yeah. But yeah, with. Game toppers, back on positive notes, they are much more affordable premium gaming tables. The uh, Watson, which is, I believe, like a three by five and a half uh, table, table topper, will hopefully fit on most everybody's tables, but there are a bunch of different sizes, and the Watson, I believe, is going for four ninety nine plus shipping, so... It is nowhere near as expensive as those uh, huge, massive premium gaming tables. But uh, with the Game Topper, it's made out of a uh, military grade aluminum. Wow, military grade? Wow, grade aluminum. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> aluminum, and uh, there's an upscale one that includes premium wood and the finish of it, but. They are extremely light and uh, very portable, actually. So they do have like a uh, carrying case that you can buy as an extra uh, in case you wanted to go to like a friend's house or to like a local convention, bring it with you. So uh, sorry, I'm geeking out on this, but we will include a link in the uh, podcast description so then you can guys can see it. And for anybody who is fr Facebook friends with me, I apologize because I've been shamelessly shilling this so hard because <laughs> I absolutely love the idea. And uh, it was at Dice Tower Con 2017, so we got to try it out. It's actually really nice. Yeah, I can vouch for this because, Jeff, you and I were playing a game on top of one at the... Uh, uh, which, which, which group was that? It was um, Gray Fox. We were playing, yeah, we were playing it with Gray Fox, and we just looked at these and said, "Oh, these are really cool," and noticed that they were just sitting on top of what were essentially like blocks of like cheap table, you know, maybe four legs and a piece of wood, and they just put this glorious thing on top that it just felt right, and you could chuck dice on it for days and play cards, and it felt like a gaming table, and we were like forget your games, Gray Fox, we want to get on this. And they're like, no, nope, it hasn't launched yet. And we're like, fine. But it was, they were super cool. Our friend Jared, Jared, you're awesome. Uh, he showed Love us the you, table underneath. It was like this, yeah, it was that cheapy table, but with the game topper on top of it, it felt solid. It, Like we were leaning against it. We were just like, huh, interesting. Yeah. Um. So what about... The price, like you said, seems affordable, but it also, I can't imagine building your own game table would be 
more expensive than the cost of these game toppers. What are the advantages of getting a game topper rather than, say, if you're handy, building your own table or finding a cheap, cheaper game table? I'd say one of the advantages is that you can store it. A, like building your own game table uh, or getting like one of the cheaper ones, you can't take it apart at the end of the night and then stuff it in your closet. This, the game topper, you can literally take apart in like less than a minute and just put away in your closet or uh, somewhere in your room. It's really built well. It's made out of, uh, again, like the military grade aluminum. So it's extremely sturdy and it just looks awesome. Not going to lie. I thought, I thought it looked really neat too. And I liked all the different additions that you could get, like the drink holders and dice, um, little pads. And I mean, I just thought all those additions really kind of amped it up as well. Yeah. And I think they look really nice, you know, looking at them and like Emily said, the additions and some of the play mats look really fun and really cool for what you could kind of do to switch things up. So it's not always just the same standard table. I think the big thing is that kind of is just the price, you know, game tables are kind of unproportionately expensive for what they are. They're super nice, but there's not really a reason they should cost $5,000, especially when you see some of the build your own ones online that, you know, you can do for 250. But the thing is you have to have the tools or access to the tools anyway, and you have to be somewhat handy. And so while I'm not handy enough, I know my dad kind of owns all the tools and everything. And so I've always said when we eventually move back out that way, I want to kind of make it a project with him to construct a game table for the house for me and Emily. Um, now, whether that happens, I don't know. And also, who knows exactly when we're going to move back out that way. So I feel like Game Toppers is a, a really great option for someone who's, you know, maybe not in a permanent living situation or just likes the ability to take it off and have their regular dining room table under it without having to make a big transition. Yeah, and, and Sean, you and I have been looking at these uh, pre or, or I guess these homemade tables for a while now online. We keep seeing links for people who made them for like one fifty or two fifty, and they show all their step by step process. Lots of woodworking, lots of uh, there's a lot of pre knowledge that's needed for that, but they turn out beautiful. But you know that's not for everyone. Not everyone can afford that. Not everyone can have that you know skill or time yeah. or talent. And I think this is a good compromise. Yeah, definitely. It's it really is a uh, opportunity cost to use uh, some uh, accounting lingo, but it's either you're going to be spending more to get a pre-made table, or you're going to be spending less but spending a lot more time with uh, trying to uh, get the skills, get the tools, and everything there. So it really is a balance of what you feel comfortable with because some people they just throw down those five thousand dollars and say ah hey that looks good and then you have other people that are like 500 bucks man that's expensive so you know what i'll do it myself but overall i think it's a great idea and uh definitely looking forward to uh seeing where this goes and uh, sorry, just another quick note. By today, uh, which is Sunday the 1st, uh, October the 1st, 
Game Toppers has raised $277,000. Wow. Out of a out of a $50,000 goal. And they haven't even broken the full week yet. Jeff, you gave me an idea. I'm going to launch my own Kickstarter. <laughs> and to, to go off of you to use some accounting lingo, I'm going to embezzle the money. Yes. <laughs> Solid business plan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I'm going to say, I'm sorry, guys. There was a shipping issue out in Singapore or some crap like that. And then I'm just going to disappear. Which, by the way, guys, Geek and Spiel's Kickstarter is starting soon. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you should totally back it because why not? Why not? We have given you no reason to doubt us. We do not support embezzling or crime of any kind whatsoever. No, we don't. I mean, I do. but well, openly. We, royal we, we don't. Emily, uh, you want to talk to us about a stupid little game. Not a stupid little game. Okay, so a game that Sean and I have recently been playing is Overcooked. And oh my goodness, let me tell you, it has been the best couch co-op game I've played in a while. Something that Sean and I have brought up several times is kind of this decrease of couch co-op games in the video game marketplace. So more and more often, multiplayer games are going to be online. You have to have two copies. And that's what ultimately led us to get two PlayStations so that we could play a lot of those games co-op. So there's not as much couch co-op as there used to be several years ago. So Overcooked is a chaotic couch co-op cooking game for one to four players. Working as a team, you and your fellow chefs must prepare, cook, and serve up a variety of tasty orders before the bang customers storm out in a huff. Um, So what I like about this game is there's very simple... Uh, controls. There's only about three different actions that you can do. And it's all about, it's those classic cooking games where you're trying to put a meal together, get it out to the customers. And, you know, there's this time, pressure of time, messing up, different levels have different challenges. Um, and it's just a lot of fun. And so every day I'm like, Sean, we have to play Overcooked. Because it's, it's just so, it's just fun. Yeah, and it's it's a really, really fun game. It's been out for a little while now. It just most recently got released on the Switch, um, but it's been out on PlayStation and some other consoles before that. Um, and it's just really fun. So I listen to a lot of gaming podcasts, and Greg Miller from Kind of Funny and Colin Moriarty when he was there as well, both were super big into it, and they were like, it's a, a great game to play with your spouse or a friend. Um, you just kind of sit down, and it's one of those couch co-op games where it's so much fun but you're also like getting to the point where you're getting so frustrated when the other person doesn't do the way you want to do it because time is such a like commodity in that game so you're you're flying through things and when one order starts to go wrong or if they grab the wrong ingredients to cut up for you and you're on the other side of the kitchen you can't even have access to them it gets a little crazy and there's a variety of stages so there's like some outer space stages there's ones that are in the woods and the lights will go out and so you're kind of navigating through a black screen until the lights come back on there's lava stages there's ice ones where you're slipping and sliding it's just a lot of variety and it's a it's a cheap game it's just so much fun it's up to four players at a time and it's an absolute blast and it's really cute looking too yeah, I, I got to play this with you guys last night, and it was 
it's it's amazing how simple it was because you're just using maybe tops three buttons or two buttons and you just keep pressing it to chop a tomato and then you pick it up and you have to put it on the plate but oh you missed the plate you have to put it on the plate you missed it you, you put it on the cutting board instead you're an idiot so you put it over there then you got to wash the dishes and i remember seeing like browser games that were a lot like this mm-hmm. uh growing up and when they when they started doing a lot of flash games this is very similar to that, but it's it's very fun. You're, the the character choices are adorable. I, I, my concern is the OSHA compliance because these places are clearly not designed for. No, no, I'm sorry. I don't think it's fair to be cooking a damn pizza while your table is floating around in a ghost infested house or trying to make some burritos and some. There's a gun shooting fire at you. Can you explain that to me? Why you someone put that in the kitchen? Like. I mean, these are normal, everyday challenges. Look, to be a top chef, you have to be able to cope with anything that gets thrown at you. Um, so Literally. I, I mean, I guess I know, I know you bake and you cook every now and then, but it's apparent that you're not quite at that level yet. Oh, I'm still getting um, So I wouldn't really bombs, expect so. you to understand, you know. <laughs> I'm I'm not I'm not at Sean's level, and I'm not because he's like master chefing in there while I'm playing that, and I'm literally running around in circles trying not to fall in lava. <laughs> Though we also have been through like mm, ten or fifteen times more levels than you, so <laughs> kind of to be expected. But it, it's it's just a lot of fun, and it was kind of you know we showed you an early level, and then we kind of jumped further down the road. And the early one, you're like, oh, that was easy. I'm doing so well. And then, like, even when you think you're doing well at some of the later levels, it, so it gives you, it ranks your performance on a three-star system, kind of like a lot of mobile games do. And you're like, all right, I think I did pretty well. Oh, we only got one star. So you're like, crap, yeah, we were nowhere <laughs> close to being great at this level. And so then it's kind of trying to figure out, okay, well, maybe if I just do this station and you do these two things, maybe we can make it a little faster. So it's it's fun kind of trying to think out and troubleshoot how to make the performance better the next time around. Yeah, and it, I think it just goes to show that these small filler games, I mean, they can just be so much fun because there is some strategy involved. Like he was saying, I mean, there was a strategy of, you know, what areas of the kitchen each player has and kind of the order that they do things. I mean, that can really affect performance. So it's just a fun, you know, a nice break from some of the more heavy, intense games. And like I said, couch co-op, we don't ever get to play any of those. So it's a lot of fun. So to kind of keep the video game trend going this week, which mainly is just because we actually didn't have any time to sit down and play any tabletop games with just kind of a hectic schedule this week, um, I thought we could talk about the games that are coming out this month. So October is a pretty big month this year with a lot of like AAA big titles coming out. So I figured we could just kind of go over a little list of the big ones coming out and say what is kind of standing out to you or interest you to pick up this month sounds yeah good. that sounds great october is a great month in general right uh, yeah i mean there's lots of great birthdays and you know my and mine. yours and, and there's halloween mountains. there's friday the 13th yeah we got year. a friday the 13th and there's my dog whining right now hold on one oh, second sorry what do you want give me all your what? money do you have to go outside again Now's a great commercial break. Um, this episode of Geek and Spiel's podcast is sponsored by... Dogs. You like them, we like them. Dogs. So, uh, speaking of dogs, my jerk of a dog this morning decided to get up at about a quarter to seven. 
and want to use the bathroom. And by use the bathroom, I mean he wanted to eat grass for a while because I think yesterday <laughs> stressed him out. So Same much. thing. <laughs> and then he wandered around. Then he tried to make a break for our neighbor's yard. Okay. Remember, we have that giant gap in the fence that he keeps trying to run for. And we're okay. just like, no, stop. And we run after him. And then he, so I stop him. And then he turns, then uses the bathroom and then takes the most circuitous route back into the house. By that point, I'm wide awake. I can't fall back asleep. Thank you, dog. Mm. Dogs. They're not cats. <laughs> That's the best dog tagline I think I ever heard. All right. While you're doing that real quick, I'm going to mention something. So next weekend, I am going to Seattle for the very first time in my life. Uh, Seattle so is supposed to be a really sweet city. It's uh, I- I've never, I haven't been to many West Coast cities before uh, outside of California. So Anita and I decided to give this a shot. So we're going to be doing we're doing a bunch of, you know, fun stuff, tourist things, a bunch of like coffee and beer tours and a food tour because that's the kind of stuff we love. But I'm going to be trying to hit up some of the really popular, well-known game stores and game cafes they have there. I think Cafe Mox is one of the big names there. I know that that's the one that Scott Kurtz uh, of PVP online and table Titans. Uh, I don't know, I guess visits, but he, he sets his stories there. So I'm kind of excited to see that's what that's fun. like. Cause there's, there's kind of a, I think there's supposed to be a gaming culture there. Cause that's also where wizards of the coast is located. Oh. You can't really go to their offices. I, I tried to see, I mean, you could show up, but it's kind of just in a giant office building somewhere. And, it's not the magical wonderland I keep imagining it is. So, oh, sorry, it isn't. Wasn't that kind of how it was with IGN at, in San Francisco, Sean? Yeah, uh, I mean they do a tour once a month, and of course uh, the tour date was the day we were leaving, so we didn't have the chance to kind of go visit them. But I thought that would have been really cool, just because I read their content. They're kind of my go-to source for gaming news most times. Them or Kotaku. All right, so for the games coming out in October, so I'm taking this pretty much from Polyon's uh, list of video game releases for the month of October, which was published yesterday. So there's Forza Motorsport 7 comes out on October 3rd. I'm not particularly keen on Yay, a racing games. game. Love those. Yeah, so racing's your thing. I guess that's a good one. Why won't they release another one of those games from the, the when the PS3 first came out where you're racing and you blow everything up around you? What like motorsport game? or uh, burnout? It was something like that. You don't actually you don't actually shoot missiles or anything, but you like build up a bar and then when you hit buttons special effects go off and like a plane crashes and things pop out. Yeah, it was the uh Disney game. It was a Disney um, game. I still own it. It's amazing. I totally forgot the name of it, but it, it was amazing. I'll oh, remember it. I'll just fun. shout it out in the middle of Sean's thing. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. works. Sorry, Sean, go on. All right, so next up is on October 5th, Dragon's Dogma Dark Arisen on PS4 and Xbox One, which I don't know, but it looks like it's a re-release. So take that for what you will. Um, then there's two 3DS games on October 6th. Oh, oh yay, 3DS games. Journey, uh, Professor Layton game, and then Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga plus Bowser's Minions. So that's a reimagining of the original Super Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga um and yeah so screw the 3ds and that's my opinion on that i'm not touching that thing since i have my switch stop releasing games on it for the record professor layton is pretty fun it is so is mario and luigi but they're on the 3ds but it's by the principles the principle of the matter principles (laughs) you have to have them 
<laughs> All right, then on October 10th, there's a game that'll probably get at least Emily excited. Um, Middle Earth Shadow of War comes out, so that's a sequel yeah. to Shadow of Mordor, which was a big hit for a lot of people. I really liked that game. All I can say is, screw them for putting in microtransactions. Yeah. Oh, what? So that's kind of a big thing that uh, has drawn a lot of you know ire from people, is that They've put in microtransactions, and they're, you know, a lot of games will have microtransactions now, but they'll be for, like, oh, buying a skin or something like this for your character. And so you know how, like, they have the whole nemesis system where you, you know, you're building your army. Mm -hmm. Apparently you can, like, purchase, like, generals for your army and stuff. And mm -hmm. so it's kind of like instead of, uh, you know, play to win, it's a pay to play type of format mm -hmm. and so they keep saying they designed the game and they play tested the game without the microtransactions so they know it works and runs normal and this is just an option for other people but it's just kind of annoying to see the pay to play format make its way to such a big release after the the first game was kind of you know a sleeper hit that no one was really prepared for how big it would be and it won game of the year at a lot of places i loved that game i I played it extensively when it came out. I just got the PS4, and Anita will tell you I, I took away a lot of her TV time. Um, it's the it's the <laughs> perfect combination of like the Batman combat system and Assassin's Creed, mm -hmm. and I love the setting mm -hmm. and the Nemesis system was amazing. Mm -hmm. Like finally killing that guy who had killed mm -hmm. me eight times, it was great. And then I see, yeah, the next game is going to have microtransactions. And then there was this whole nonsense about a developer who had passed away, and they decided to put him in the game as as DLC, but they weren't going to make it. They weren't going to make it free, and which was fine, but they were going to take all the proceeds, but only part of the proceeds was going to go to his family or something like that. And they just changed that recently, but the backlash was huge. Yeah, oh, the charity, yeah, the charity DLC. So then, yeah, I saw that Warner Brothers uh, decided that they would just make a large sum donation, and so now everyone gets the DLC free, but it was kind of... I feel like that almost got forgotten about because of microtransaction stuff, but... Yeah, it's it's been a rough ride in the build-up to this game. I mean, for what it's worth, uh, Andrea Renee, who's from uh, What's Good Games, you know, she says she's played it, and uh, she hasn't, like, so she's played it at different gaming events, and she said it still holds up, and she's really excited for it. It's kind of just a bigger version of Shadow of Mordor. So hopefully, you know, it can kind of move past everything that's kind of holding it down right now, but I guess only time will tell. Mm -hmm. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. So then on Friday the 13th, um, so there's a physical release of uh, the video game Friday the 13th, which is a blast, and we've talked about before about how much fun it is. Um, and then to keep with the Halloween theme, there's The Evil Within 2, um, which a lot of people liked The Evil Within. Uh, it looked a little scary for my personal liking, but, you know, I'm a little scaredy cat, so. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Um, October 17th, if there wasn't enough racing already for you, Gran Turismo Sports coming. So have fun with that, nerds. Oh, <laughs> Sean. Wow, we're trying to be very inclusive on this podcast. So. Yeah, but not for racing fans. If you apparently. like racing games, that's fine. I play way too much FIFA, so, you know. Oh, by I'm the way, that game was called Split Second. <laughs> yes. Slash through it. And if you've never played it, next time you come over... I will show you the joy that was this game. And I'm not a big racing game fan, but it. this was amazing. Sorry, go on. 
Um, but also coming out on October 17th is a game that I'm really excited for. So the South Park Fractured But Whole. Yes. yes. Um, so the second game, um, you know, following South Park Stick of Truth, which was, you know, a, a somewhat short RPG, but it was hilarious. And I just think the writing in it is kind of unparalleled and no one was really prepared for, you know, Matt and Trey to put that much effort into a video game and they said they'd never do another one, but here we are and we're getting a second one and it looks fantastic. October 20th is Fire Emblem Warriors, so it's Fire Emblem meets kind of like the Dynasty Warriors gameplay. Um, I haven't really played a Dynasty Warriors style game in a long time, but then there's Siberia 3 uh, coming out the same day. October 24th, Destiny 2 comes to PC. And then we have the last big day of releases in the month, which has three really outstanding games. And it's kind of like, I wouldn't have wanted to release on this day if I was a publisher, but go ahead. So there's Assassin's Creed Origin. So it's the first Assassin's Creed in two years. They took a year off. So this one looks like it should be a great game. It looks really grand and What's the setting? It's in ancient Egypt. Hmm. Um, it looks really, really pretty, and you know, I used to be a really big fan. Mm -hmm. I played one, two, Brotherhood, Revelations, um, all the kind of early ones. I started to fall out a little bit, and I've kind of been removed for the games for a couple years. So it may be one that I try and jump in on. Mm, same here. Um, and then we have Super Mario Odyssey coming to Switch. <gasps> so it's hard to not be excited about a Mario game, no matter where you're at in life pretty much there's well and fun. a switch game i mean yeah. those good switch games are few and far between so yeah and there's i mean so i saw something the other day i think 18 games released on switch this week but i mean a lot of them were not new games they're just kind of ports over which is fine if you haven't played them but for someone who's kind of itching for you know a, a big new game to play on the switch i'm stoked for super mario odyssey yeah, that one does look like fun, but it's kind of uh, weird seeing Mario in New York. Yes. Oh, I mean, yes. I'm sorry, New Donk City, I should say. New Donk City. But it does seem kind of wild. I remember seeing the first trailer where it's, uh, I think the trailer started with the T-Rex, and I thought it was Monster Hunter. Mm -hmm. um, and then it was like, oh, he's wearing a Mario hat. Is this a Monster Hunter Mario crossover? No, this is just the next Mario, so... It'll be interesting to see how it turns out, but I mean, I think the consensus from people who've played it is that it's going to be a really special game, as these mainline Mario ones tend to be. Mm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Mario crossed over with Monster Hunter, because crossing over with Rabbids was already peculiar to me, but apparently that game was, mm -hmm. is supposed to be pretty good. Yeah, it's supposed to be really good, and I think it sold pretty well as most things kind of on the switch right now are selling really well just because there's not a whole lot of you know big games as we've kind of said so anything that it looks somewhat good people are kind of clinging to right now which is great for developers because then it makes them want to make more games on the switch so hopefully we can stop seeing 3ds games <laughs> 3ds will live on have any of you guys played monster hunter before I played, uh, so, of course, as I bashed the 3DS, the last Monster Hunter game I played was the one they released when the new 3DS came out, the one with the second joystick, and you could only play it on that. And it was fun. It was just, like, 
I haven't been as engrossed with those games as other people have been. And I mean, they're really big over, especially in Japan, more so than the States, but I think they'll probably continue to grow, especially with the new one coming out to home consoles rather than just being stuck on the 3DS or the PSP. Yeah, because there's one for the PS4 now, isn't there? Or the or, Yeah, there's like, one coming out for the PS4. It looks pretty good, and, and this game's always been kind of interesting to me because monsters and dinosaurs and that kind of thing, it's totally up my alley. Uh, and I played it, I think, on the PSP, and the PSP as a system overall just didn't really do it for me to begin with. So yeah. I didn't really jump into it that much, but this kind of looked interesting, and I, I thought about maybe picking it up or trying it out on the PS4. Yeah, I mean, it looks... It looks fun. I'll probably at least give it a shot and see how it goes, but um, who knows? You know, Nintendo is doing well. It wouldn't be that surprising to see it come to Switch. I don't know if they've announced it for Switch at all yet or not, but it feels like, you know, they've had such success with handheld consoles that it would kind of fit in there, too, if they can kind of scale the graphics or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the last new game of the month is Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus, which... I've not played the new Wolfenstein um, that they came out with on the PS4 and Xbox One, but it's supposed to be like a, a pretty extraordinary game. And just, uh, you know, it's a story first person shooter um, that really just focuses on the story rather than competitive multiplayer or anything like that. And so it's supposed to be really neat. The storyline and the trailers for this new one looks really cool. And it makes me want to go back. And I think I'll probably will go back at some point and play the first one before I get to this one. I've seen trailers for it and people talking about it. It looks really cool, and it made me want to kind of revisit the one that came out for the PS4, like you mentioned. The problem is, first-person shooters, I'm terrible at them, and they kind of bore me. I tried getting through Bioshock Infinite, and I was just loving the atmosphere and the story, and I was invested in the characters and everything, but the long sessions of shooting people just got so boring to me so i never finished it and so maybe a game like this maybe maybe there's enough variety i'll have to see yeah and i think it's all about pacing and shooters you know i think you know uncharted 4 did it really good compared to the other uncharted games where it was i forget what it's called i think it's like the monster door or something where essentially like as soon as you rush into an area, you know you're going to be in a big fight, and it's just enemies keep coming in and keep coming in and keep coming in, and it just kind of feels like more of an arcade game rather than, all right, this is for the progression of the story, and so I think it's hard to find ones that balance it, and I don't know whether Wolfenstein's a great one of that or not, but it's certainly one that I'd look into. Mm. Um, And then I guess just a quick little last round of things. Um, Jacob kind of brought it up yesterday to me, and uh got me thinking but the free playstation plus games for this month are hue on the ps4 and vita skyforce anniversary hustle kings monster jam battlegrounds um and amnesia collection which is like a horror game collection i guess for october Um, but most importantly there's metal gear solid 5 the phantom pain which is really really great and really big and it's a big hit for playstation plus i mean if you're paying for it anyway why not download it and get involved with it yeah, I find that amazing that that they made that a uh, free. Well, technically not free, but still. I'm excited. Yeah. Same here. Yeah, I think that one will be really good. And then I guess since I did that, I should do the Xbox. Uh, the oh, I thought I had the Xbox uh, free ones for the month, but it looks like I'm looking at the Game Pass, which. Um, this is a like PlayStation a- only podcast 30, 30. and Switch occasional switch um 
I got excited for the Xbox ones because it looked like they had Costume Quest 2 and State of Decay. Um, but it looks like that's for the Game Pass, which I think is like $10 a month on top of your gold subscription. So never mind. I don't have that pulled up in front of me. So I don't own an Xbox anymore. So too bad, Xbox fans. If you're interested, because it is October, the best month of the year. Uh, if I know we have people here who like November and December, like there's important things that happen in there, whatever. Uh, but if you're looking for something to get into that Halloween spirit, definitely check out, like Sean said, Friday the 13th costume quest, both one and two are in, are just enjoyable, especially if someone's not a big video game player, but they want to play something cute. Anita loves those games. What's what, what else was that? What's that big old game that we, until dawn? Until mm-hmm. Dawn, Until which Dawn. we are going to play uh, this month, and I hope it's with you and Anita as well, because it's a super fun game to play with like other people around. Yeah. Um, yes. And of, just kind of exchanging oh. the controller on different characters and everything, because it's a simple game to control, but it's just pretty awesome, and the story actually does change depending on your actions, which is pretty cool. Which is which is super neat. So if you really liked Life is Strange, you'll you'll like Until Dawn. If you like horror tropes and stories uh, too. Also, check out um, for tabletop stuff, if you can find a copy, Fury of Dracula, either of the Dead of Winter games, um, Zombicide. Oh, my God. Yeah, if you want a zombie tabletop game, you're not going to have trouble finding one. <laughs> there's there, mm. there's one of every flavor. Uh, there, there's Cthulhu games, and uh, just pick up any of those, two. And what was the game I was thinking of that's a good uh, – even, even Werewolf or One Night Ultimate Werewolf, you know, something thematic. Yeah, so to add on to that, if you're looking for a uh, historical horror, horror-based horror game, definitely look at Letters to Whitechapel or the uh, recently uh, streamlined version Whitehall. Yes. Uh, there's also a Friday the 13th, uh, well, basically Friday the 13th game called Last Friday, which is a uh, one versus many game. Where the many are all the camp counselors, so I haven't heard very many good reviews on it, but it looks interesting, so I'll probably give it a try one uh, sooner or later. Isn't that the Katy Perry song? No. Last Friday night. I, I was hoping someone would pick up on Leave. that. <laughs> Leave. Leave. <laughs> Just crickets. Crickets. You can crickets. always count on me you know, to. Telling me this no trashy pop, top uh, pop songs. You know, I'm going to. I'm going to keep that awkward silence afterwards in the podcast. How's that sound? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're telling me this isn't a companion game to the movie Last Friday in the Friday series uh, with Ice Cube? Because that's what I was really hoping. Oh my gosh, Ice Cube down. versus. The many. <laughs> if you got, you know, Ice Cube, Lohan shows up. I hope that I can play as Nicki Minaj. <laughs> that's actually that's actually an expansion. expansion you can buy a DLC. Oh wait, it's board game. I forget what we're talking about anymore. It's all coming together. It's all mixing. Up. It's all one. We're 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 gonna talk about my experiences last night hanging out with Sean and Emily. Anita and I went over to hang out. And uh, the first thing I think we did when I showed up was say, Sean, can we try out your Oculus Rift? And he's like, fine. So he set it up. And I wanted Nita to try it first, but she was afraid of getting motion sickness. And so I tried it first, and she decided to try it afterwards. And I, I have to say, everything you said 
last week about VR, Emily and Sean, both of you, about how revolutionary it is and just the experience, the sensation of it is phenomenal. I I almost cried. It was like, it really was <laughs> like being in the closest thing I think you could get right now to like Ready Player One or, or hell, even The Matrix. It was just, you're looking around and you're hearing everything and you can hear things like moving around your head in a circle in different angles and you can look in every possible direction and as we saw you could move around in a certain way and and I guess if you could if you set up a room large enough you could probably move around a large space and the fact that it can tell where your fingers are on there like when you told me that last week I'm like that's crazy I I don't even believe that and then I'm no when you rest your finger on it it knows how your hands are moving and it's just so intuitive and I mean it takes a little bit of practice but you kind of pick it up so you let me play the intro tutorial game where you where you're in a van with a bunch of stuff and you make or activate a robot and the robot gives you discs to try out stuff like little guns and maracas and and stuff like that and then when when it opened up in the menu screen where you're in this large plush like hotel lobby with a fireplace and water moving through and I, I just I, I I'm like I wanted I wanted to just I wanted to fall over into the fetal position just like Emily did <laughs> I, I felt like both when you and Anita played the lobby was what like shook you guys the most because like when we when I'm in the truck yeah it's really cool I'm picking stuff up I'm looking around there's there's little glow stars stuck on the ceiling and it's the effect, but in a way, I'm still standing in one little spot, and everything's just kind of 3D made, and so that illusion is still kind of there a little bit. It's a great illusion, but the minute I was in that lobby and I realized I could walk to the edge of like the rug, and that you probably could go further, maybe I don't know what the full capacity of that is, yeah, but it probably depends on your setup or whatever. Yeah, I'm turning around, I noticed that there's like chairs at a bar, and I realized. Why could this not be an actual lobby where people in virtual reality were standing and walking around and sitting down? And you said people could watch a movie through this together in a setting, and that just blew my mind. I just, you know, this really is. So so the question I had about this is, I was thinking about this this morning. How much of this is the future, and then how much of this is a gimmick? Because... I think a lot of the problems with the Wii when it came out uh, was that the fact that it was a gimmick sort of uh, became apparent over time. People could use it to move around and play golf and tennis, and that stuff was a lot of fun. But the limits of what you could do became quickly apparent, and people – and this happened to me, and I, I think it happened to a lot of other people too. They missed that sitting on a couch, playing a video game experience. Now, I don't know yeah. how much of that there's going to be of this, how much is going to require massive movements or standing the whole time. Uh, maybe it doesn't require that either. But so far, the potential is there. The potential for something great is there, and I hope people start taking advantage of this. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I don't think, like, sitting on your couch and playing games is going to go away because of VR or anything. I think that's always going to be an option and, a, you know, pretty probably the main option for most people. Um, but it's like playing, so the second game you played was the Echo Arena, yeah. and I think that was like where you, I finally was like interacting with other people where I was like, oh, holy crap, this isn't just a gimmick, they just have to figure out how to do it properly, 
Um, and that was the first time where I felt like, oh, this is, they're doing it properly. This is a step towards Ready Player One or or anything kind of of that sort um, where it was just amazing and it kind of took me away and I was like, this is everything I've wanted for a while. And I mean, it's still the first generation of, you know, consumer VR essentially. But it works. So I think, you know, yeah. And I think as they probably come out with the next Oculus or the next Vive or, or whatever Xbox and PlayStation decide to come up with in their next generation, I think those will be, you know, once... I think the biggest problem right now is figuring out how to do movement in VR. A lot of games do the teleporting. Um, Echo Arena works really well because you're in zero G, so you're just kind of pulling yourself and using jet boosters. Um, but until they can get like something where you're moving around your environment without needing, you know, a, a joystick, an entire room set up, yeah, or a joystick or whatever, something that doesn't really take you out of the experience and doesn't require a private VR room in your house that you can't really use anything else for. Cause you need it empty. Um, I think when they figure out the movement, that'll be the big thing. I think it also kind of depends on adoption from other things besides gaming. So they also have like, you can view like concerts and stuff like that, or they'll have sporting events where they have 3d cameras set up. So it's like you're sitting in the stadium or you're sitting in wow. the front row at a concert um, which are pretty cool, but it seems like the the camera technology might not be there yet. Like it's it it kind of took me out of it because the resolution wasn't you know amazing. It didn't feel like I was there. It felt like I was watching you know kind of a little bit of a decreased not HD quality video, um, which I get because you know they're doing a 360 video, so I'm sure the resolution's probably crazy. Um, but it just it wasn't there yet for me to be like, Oh, I would rather do this than go, you know, pay to go see my team play or anything like that. And I think, you know, no one's going to want to avoid stuff like that, but if you could do that in addition to things you're doing, if it's like, Oh, pay $5 to see this live concert or pay $20 to see this live concert, um, for like a really big band or something, that'd be cool. But the, it just didn't seem real enough at this point to, to make it worth it. So I think it's kind of the mm -hmm. adoption of, of other apps and other, you know, entertainment avenues that'll kind of sell VR in the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, and I think talking about virtual reality um, and what it needs to work on, I think another big factor is the accessibility of VR. Right now, it's not, there's not as many people who have an Oculus as there are PlayStations and Xboxes and things like that. So I think once the price point comes down or the requirements as I get, I don't, I don't know, but I just feel like once more people get onto it, that will also really take it to the next level. Yeah, I, I agree. I personally don't own any of those, but it sounds amazing. And also if there's one thing that I want that I would get the VR for is a game here that I'm looking at called, I expect you to die. <laughs> what? Have you heard of that, Sean? Yeah, I have. I haven't uh, played it or anything, but I have heard of it. Basically, uh, it's a VR uh, game where you're a soup, where you're a secret agent, and you're. It's all these scenarios of uh, all these uh, death trap scenarios. So. You're trapped in a car, you open up the glove box, there's a thing of dynamite, and you have to try and toss it out. And 
just a whole bunch of stuff is going on and most likely you will die but it just looks like a ton of fun just to watch playing just think about this from a you you bring up concerts and other things like that think about this from a, a distance perspective or an or an accessibility uh perspective people who may not be able to leave where they are uh, due to a disability or illness or other situation or someone who's just geographically too far away to do something, you know, they can sit in on a concert or they have friends from far away, but they want to watch a movie together or think of the tabletop implications. I mean, there's a tabletop simulator app you can get through Steam, which I've considered picking up before because it has all sorts of games on it, like Scythe and everything. Imagine if you're sitting at a table with someone, you could physically pick the piece you want up and move it and 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 work like that and you're playing with people in a in a really cool setting like you're in space or something like that around you but you're playing this this game in front of you or a role-playing perspective where you create a scenery and and you know throw enemies at people like you're the dm and your friends have to fight them i mean the the potentials are 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 endless uh so i want to move on to our, our quick story about what happened last night though and that is after i got done trying out Echo Arena and playing with a toy dinosaur that was floating in space. Uh, I got out and let Anita try it. So she did the intro thing too. She she played with the robot and we decided to put her into Job Simulator because the Echo Arena we thought might be a little too much for like motion sickness and such. So, and, and trust me, when <laughs> it was there a little bit when I was moving around, I was like, whoa, it was, it's a whole different experience. So, She's doing Job Simulator, and we uh, we tell her to pick the chef one. So she's there cooking, and this game is adorable. It is cute, basically. And Anita was adorable playing it. And she was adorable. I have all these snaps of her dancing around and playing and, and then making these orders of these disgusting foods and then saying, enjoy, and these robots making these funny comments and her just throwing eggshells at the robots. And um, it was it was a lot of fun. And as the game's going on, I think we're getting close to the end of that mm-hmm. segment. Uh, all the stuff you were throwing and stuff, you could see outside of the booth you were cooking in. And you're kind of a ledge in front of you. And Emily's like, you should look over the ledge and see if you can see the stuff. It's probably still there. You can probably see more things. So Anita's like, yeah. And at this point, oh. she's been playing for, what, 15, 20 minutes? Mm-hmm. At least. in that world. She bends her body over to see if she can see what's over the counter and thinking the counter's there puts her hands down and puts her weight on like out to catch the non-existent counter starts tumbling <laughs> face first into a large into into one of your uh furniture pieces with a sharp end and a candle on top and oh, no. we immediately all go oh no so she just went Bam! Right into Ugh. it. And, oh, my Ugh. God. We all flipped out. The dogs flipped out. We were just like, oh, my God. Like, Sean thought she'd have to go to a hospital. We're looking at her. She kind of, like, sits up kind of discombobulated and pulls the thing off. She's like, oh. Luckily, you know, nothing got knocked over. Nothing got set no. on fire. Her eye didn't get poked out. Probably thanks to the, the goggles. Yeah. She Ugh. Stubbed her one of her pinky fingers really bad. She it's hurting her a lot, and she's having trouble moving it. And she has a scratch on her cheek and her eye. But um, virtual reality is is no joke, ladies and gentlemen. You must practice mm-hmm. awareness when you're doing this thing. So it was, um, yeah. I feel really our bad first for her. VR injury. Gosh, oh. it was 
it was just frightening. I mean, I guess, you know, it shows that you really get into it, but yeah. uh, <laughs> it was not it was not a good thing. <laughs> It reminds me of all the Wii stories when they came out, too, mm-hmm. where people were throwing the controllers into the TVs and stuff like that because they were too lazy to put the straps around their wrists. Or, better yet, smacking it into someone's head when they were playing tennis or something. <laughs> yeah. Aww. Yeah, I feel really bad Aww. for her. But it, it was it, in retrospect, it's kind of funny, but it's she's in pain right now, so I can't say that. It, it, she doesn't listen to this Aww. anyway, so. I hope Anita makes a quick Aww. recovery. Me too. We'll have to have her play it again. <laughs> and just someone be <laughs> well, around we'll, her. We'll just like, you know, uh, how people baby-proof their furniture. We'll just have to do that in our VR yes. room. <laughs> Put bubble wrap around <laughs> Just baby-proof the VR room. Prevent any yes. injuries. Jeff, Massive Darkness and D&D. Yes. I mentioned this game a while back. And... Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we played it again on the second mission, and I've just got to say that I am adoring this game. It's uh, it works off off of a very similar thing to the uh, zombie side mechanics of you get the action points and then you get to move around and everything, but it's uh, it's a really fun. Uh, dungeon crawl style game uh we had to uh kill a giant spider so we were all planning okay we go through these rooms level up a little bit and then we go in and chase the spider down it was a lot of fun and uh one of my friends really made a good comparison there's another dungeon crawl uh cooperative game called dark souls that came out and that one is extremely heavy there's a lot of planning that you have to do a lot of grinding but this is very much a lighter version of dark souls in comparison overall it's a really fun game and just i'm gonna try and get a review done but i need to play like maybe one or two more games before i uh get my thoughts in on it so, yeah. Jeff, uh, I recently, or not recently, a while back, I kickstarted the second edition of Gloomhaven because people wouldn't shut up about it. And it looked like something that was really cool. Does this compare to that in any way? I'd say the best comparison is it's Golden Axe versus Final Fantasy. Really? Where, where uh, Massive Darkness... It's the uh, all action, action, action. You get a little bit of the story, but you don't get too much. While Gloomhaven, you get a lot of story. It's, I'd say, it's more of like that kind of choose your own adventure, uh, uh, story driven uh, game. It's Gloomhaven is a lot more of the. RPG versus the kind of the run and gun kind of game where Massive Darkness is more of the run and gun versus RPG. Got it. That's really cool. Yeah. It's a lot of fun and if you can, it is $120, so 
it is a very pretty penny to pay for. But if you can find somebody that did back it or or if you guys go in on it, I think it's definitely worth uh, playing. So I just wanted to go over things that I've done recently. And we do a regular uh, D&D uh, campaign. Have you ever heard of the uh, Tales from the Yawning Portal? Uh? I, I have heard about it, yes. Uh, right now we are going through the uh, Dead and Thay module, which is the... Uh, it was the big campaign that came out during the beta, where everyone was playing It's the huge dungeon, and you had like 16 groups like playing in each a different sector. It, but we're playing it with a small group, so <laughs> it's interesting... It is very much an evil campaign, no matter what my friends will say. It, they will say it's more of a pragmatic, I'm doing air quotes right now, but <laughs> since it's a podcast, you can't see that. But um, So we have a, a Duergar, which is basically a uh, fascist dwarf, I should say, uh, cleric. We have a, a death metal bard. And a goblin uh, sorcerer, so... Does the death metal bard just, like, just... <laughs> the whole time? Yes. Yes. Yes, and also, he does, like, the emo poetry, and it's... It is just an insane amount of fun, and I feel horrible for our DM, because he's, like, trying to... He's trying to move us forward and do all this cool stuff. And then we're just like, oh yeah, we just kill it. We are kind of murder hobos. But then again, this is kind of a murder hobo dungeon. So, <laughs> and, and for those of you who don't know what murder hobo is, basic, it's a uh, basic uh, D&D term where you're playing a character that just straight up murders things. So, Eric. <laughs> uh, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing about Eric. You you point him at something and it dies, but but Eric does things like role play and stay in character. A murder hobo basically thinks that D and D is a imaginary version of Grand Theft Auto. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, and, and in a lot of ways, a lot of D and D players will end up devolving into that to some capacity. Because I think the game is a lot more sophisticated than people are, so <laughs> I just think it's a natural <laughs> de-evolution of how people play the game. Yeah, we well we do we do a lot of role playing, but I'm putting that in air quotes too. It's fascist. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we have a fascist dwarf. We have death metal cleric and a goblin. And also, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention, we have an NPC with us who is a kobold that kills steals. So, yeah, there's, we have as much art role-playing happen as that can be allowed. Oh, my lord. Oh because my lord. we may or may not have poisoned several villages or... Yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah. It, a lot of death and destruction and 
forceful conversion to religions. Uh. So it's the Middle Ages all over again. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The individual who who will be joining us for Extra Life, Charner, uh, I, ta- I talked to him about tabletop stuff, and he has not played D&D, but he's very familiar with it because he's been dying to play it. And he's not just dying to play it. He really wants to DM. What? That's interesting. Yeah. So he's never played and he wants to DM. I don't think he's actually played before, but he really wants to DM. I mean, hmm. knowing knowing him, he's probably a person who, from the little I know about him, he's probably read the books and listens to podcasts and videos and stuff, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, and oh, yeah, that's, that's nothing, Jeff, for the extra life. I didn't know if we wanted to consider trying a one-shot if we wanted to do that again and actually do it this year because I think the right after Anita goes to bed middle of the night is like the perfect time for that kind of nonsense but then again that is middle of the night and we're probably going to be exhausted oh i figured that's so. because that way we wouldn't have to think so much and we could just say roll the die i kill it <laughs> <laughs> so charner can dm um if he watches every episode of Critical every episode. Role. he has 18 18 and a half days with no breaks so okay uh, good if good. he if he does that then we'll accept him into the group for the record, yes. if that was really the requirements to DM for you guys, then I, too, need 18 and a half days without a break to watch them all, because I still have not watched a single one of them. Well, I made it through, like, two hours of one episode, so I'm pretty much an expert. <laughs> <laughs> I keep seeing all this fan art online about it. Like, uh, they put all their fan art, and, like, it's got a really big following, and I'm like, where do you people find the time to I watch know. this show? I feel like you would have had to start at the beginning, like, with them. Yeah. 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 No, it's. I've watched almost every single one, and I've done it because I have. I can watch the uh, the past ones. So, what I do is I watch it in like bits and drips and drips. So I'll I'll take my time watching one episode. Like it'll take me a couple of days too, but I'll get through it. And for some reason, I do have that photographic memory for stuff like that. So <laughs> I'm weird. Jeff, we'll we'll put together a um. You and I will talk about uh, a one shot idea, and we'll we'll like pre make characters for people and stuff, so they're not like spending too much time for that. Oh yeah, and also don't want them super powered or anything. Exactly. They'll they'll just suffer. That's no fun for the DM. Except except Emily. Another thing we did last night. Just want to touch on this real quick. Was Jeff? You'll be excited to hear this. Is I introduced oh, God. Emily and Sean to their first ever viewing of the room. <laughs> you say first ever, like it's gonna happen regularly. You say that, but but, but when will you come over next weekend and we're all watching the room again? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so Sean, Emily, on a scale of uh, bliss to rapture. How euphoric was this experience for you? Um, I have left my earthly body and am now <laughs> talking on this podcast via whatever the afterlife is. All, all that, all the um, the background noise we're getting from your microphone are the trumpets of the angels. Yes, exactly. Um, for me, I mean, it was, you know, it was really special. Um, I wasn't like hitting my head against a wall. Oh, the um, entire time, so, at you least. Know. 
but uh no it wasn't that bad it was just so i like uh bad movies but i think the watching the room made me discover that i really only like watching bad movies with like mst3k or riff tracks over them like oh, i yeah. just don't have like i feel like i would enjoy that so much more than just like because i feel like i still get the room experience and then the dubbed over tracks just kind of add to that whereas like the bad movie i'm like i just feel like that's an hour and a half that I'm not going to get back because I know I'm going to watch the Rift Tracks one now. So I just feel that that's a movie <laughs> that needs to be watched as it is first. That that's just my opinion. I, I'm 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 kind of sorry that if you felt you lost an hour and a half of your life, but what you gained mm-hmm. in return is more immense than you can possibly mm-hmm. understand. And 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 the best part well, about I loved watching the reactions of you guys watching it because Emily was like you were totally. Yes. into it like you were like what's happening oh my gosh no no and then sean was was essentially john krasinski from the office because basically when something ridiculous happened he would turn and look at me with that face like that deadpan like like half smile of <laughs> what the hell is going on and i, I oh, mean I it, it was it wasn't like i wasted an hour and a half it was just <laughs> like i know that i'm gonna like the riff tracks version more yeah. i think and so that's yeah. the only thing it was still fun and it was fun because everyone was laughing and so it was an enjoyable time it just i think riff tracks is my my go-to for bad movies and that helped me discover that yeah. agree so are you guys gonna see the disaster artist oh of course certainly oh yeah <laughs> that looks amazing it it just won an award i saw online it got a at a film festival somewhere it won a best in show i, I don't know which award but saint it's... augustine saint something i think something yeah i I have actually never seen The Room, and Jacob, if you make me watch it, I will stab you in the eye. You won't have time to stab me. You're going to be glued to that couch, <laughs> like, seeing your life flash before your eyes. So wait, okay? Extra <laughs> Life, does it just need to be 24 hours of watching The Room? No, yes. I think it's, no, I think it's, no, I think it's 22 no. hours of gaming and then two I hours I think we just should leave The Room on as background the entire time. <laughs> just replay. We can't, we can't leave that, that some scenes, half of that movie are, are gratuitous <laughs> sex scenes. We can't show that in the back. We're raising money for children here. Hey, look, the children, they just need to, you know, see that that's what life oh, really God. is, according to the room. That's, I mean, that's life. There was like three ha, sex ha, 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 ha. in the first 15 minutes. <laughs> you are telling me about this. You are introduced to characters who are having a sex scene. Like, that's their introduction. <laughs> character development okay wow. honest character development and you know something this is important for the kids because we tell people all the time that you can do whatever you want to do and be whoever you want to be and this movie proves it if you want to be a director and a writer There's you nothing try stopping you. hard enough nothing can stop you no matter how many people tell you to stop Please no matter stop how many people so tell you to not laugh at that line oh <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't there this whole entire thing where Tommy Wiseau was suing everyone that gave it a horrible review? <laughs> yeah, he was pulling. That is uh, not surprising. He would call up people and pretend he wasn't him, but he can't be anyone uh, but him. This is not Tommy Wiseau. Like, yeah, like uh, the he he sued uh, Doug Walker of the Nostalgia Critic when he did a room um a, a room episode. 
and told him he had to take it down or he was going to sue because he was using clips. But he's allowed to use the clips for parody purposes. But because of that, it was this whole fiasco. And he's done this a bunch. So, yeah, he does that. <laughs> Which, by the way, if any of you fan, any Nostalgia Critic fans out there, his episode of The Room is hysterical. Go find it. And also Batman and Robin. Oh, my God, yeah. If you want to get a good introduction to Nostalgia Critic uh or that guy with the glasses that guy's production stuff the batman and robin episode is one of the funniest things you'll see online a bat credit card (laughs) (laughs) guys i I hope everyone listening here enjoyed whatever the hell just happened here for the past however much time i enjoyed myself that's all i know and that's all that matters (laughs) uh so this episode will probably come out uh close to columbus day weekend or indigenous people's weekend depending on what state you're in and it should be that in every state but that's just me and so the, we might have a week break unless we can get some people to put a podcast together and if we are we hope to see you there if not we'll see you the week after thank you so much for joining us again i am jacob i'm jeff i'm emily and i'm sean or james franco or, or both or and tommy was <laughs> And you're listening to Geekenspiel, huh? Ha 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 Oh, that's terrible. You're so funny, Mark. You're so funny. Hey, my best friend. Oh, hi. You're my best friend. Oh, hi, Mark. You're my best friend. I love Lisa so much. I love my listeners so much. Oh, my God. That's so funny.